searching for the will of God, and uh, everyone ought to be searching for the will of God in your life. Um, if you're not in it, you ought to be searching for it. And actually, daily, you ought to be seeking what God would have you to do each and every day. So uh, it's not just something you pray about and you get in and then it's done forever. It doesn't work that way. You could be in the will of God one moment, as I said, and out of the will of God the next. You can be walking in the spirit one moment and then you could be walking in the flesh. And so, uh, and so that thing, I think I used the word fluid. I don't know if that was the correct terminology, but that's the one I stuck with. And so uh, if you will, let's come to the book of Ephesians chapter number 6. And uh, I sure do appreciate you being here tonight. Can, yes, continue to pray for the Swim family. And, and then we've got several others out for various reasons as well. Some are sick and, and some others we just don't know. And then some others, they're just backslid. And, you know, that's the way it is. You can talk about them when they're not here, right? <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter number six. You say, oh, we know what you do when I'm not here. <laughs> You'll never know unless it's on tape. Yeah, it's on tape tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, um, we'll just read the first six or seven verses here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible said, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Watch this, kids. Look at that. For this is right. See that? Ain't no way around that. You obey your parents. When you disobey, it's a sin. The Bible says, children, obey your parents. But now, parents, watch this, in the Lord. See that? You can put things on your kids that God didn't put on your kids. So, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He goes on and says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So there's a commandment uh, to, to obey your parents and to honor your mother and father. That would be back in Exodus chapter number 20. And God put a promise on that thing that if you do, then your days may be long upon the earth. So if you want to live long upon the earth, then one of the things you need to do is you need to learn to obey mommy and daddy. Then he goes on and says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Not the nurture and admonition of the world, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be, not, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. See that? So you and I are to do the will of God from the heart. He says, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. What you and I do is we serve God and we don't do it so that, so that men can see it and we don't do it for the praises of men. We do it from the heart to the Lord. It's Lord, I love you and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm not even serving the Lord out of fear. I'm serving him out of love. You see, there's a whole different mentality of serving God out of fear than there is out of love. I don't serve God out of fear thinking, man, he could drop me in the hell any moment now. I serve him out of love. I serve him because he saved me. I serve him because he put my name in the book of life. I serve him because one day he's coming back to take me out of this sin-filled, cursed world to a far better place than where you and I are at right now. And so I don't serve him out of fear. Perfect love casteth out fear. So I don't serve him out of fear. I serve him out of love. And you ought to get the same mentality. If you'll serve Jesus out of love, it'll change your relationship with the Lord. I promise you that. So he says in verse number six, doing the will of God from the heart. So we talked about searching 
for the will of God, searching for the will of God. There were several that wasn't in the service this morning, so let me just quickly run, just give you a couple things to get you up to speed, and then we'll jump right into the rest of the message. This will be part two, if you want to put it that way. But we said doing the will of God from the heart, and the Bible has a lot to say about the will of God. If you're not in the will of God tonight, or you don't know what the will of God is, you ought to search for the will of God. You ought to seek for the will of God. You ought to find the will of God for your life. Now, we said over in Romans chapter number 12, and verse number two, that there's three wills of God that Paul talks about in that passage. The first one is the good will of God. The good will of God is good, but it's not the acceptable. It's just enough to keep the judgment of God off your back. It's people that, you know, they may come to church every now and then, or, or uh, they may pray every now and then, or they may read their Bible every now and then in order to keep God's wrath off their back for just a little while. But th- that's the good will of God. Then the second will of God that Paul mentions is he mentions the acceptable will of God. Now, the acceptable will of God is better than the good, obviously. It's, it includes good, but it's also acceptable. And so then, but it's not perfect. Because then you find out the third will of God is the perfect will of God. The good will of God, the acceptable will of God, and then the perfect will of God. That's you and I daily, day by day, step by step, walking in God's will. That's the perfect will of God. And so we talked about those three wills this morning. We also said that as a Christian, you ought to have a desire to find out what God's will is for your life. If you don't, you ought to get in the Bible and you ought to find out what God's will is for you because God has a will for everybody. By way of introduction, we said there's four things about God's will. Number one, we said that God's plan is personal. That God's plan is personal. It's just for you. That's Acts twenty two fourteen. Then we said God's plan is continual. God's plan is continual. That's Isaiah 58 and verse number 11. And we can't guide ourselves. We follow the steps of Jesus, right? That's who we follow. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't guide ourselves, but God guides us. Then we said, number three, that God's plan is specific. God's plan is specific. That's Jeremiah 10 and verse 23. And then number four, we said, according to Psalm 37 and verse 23, that God's plan is to guide us in the here and now. Not just later on somewhere down the road, but God's will is for you and I right here, right now. God has a will for you. Whether you're in it or not is up to you and up to me. But we ought to find God's will and we ought to get into God's will. And then we gave you the three things to, for the conditions for God's guidance. We said, number one, trust in the Lord. You're going to have to trust in the Lord. Number two, you're going to have to delight yourself in the Lord. Be eager and willing to find the will of God. Then number three, you're going to have to commit your ways to the Lord. So you're going to trust in the Lord. You're going to delight in the Lord. And then you're going to commit your ways to the Lord. And so that's the ways that you're going to be able to get some guidance from the Lord. Now, according to the Bible, uh, God's word, separation from the world and separation from sin is a must. Or you'll never, ever know the will of God. You've got to be separated unto God in order to find the will of God. And uh, that, that marks out probably 90% of the body of Christ for that matter. But nonetheless, that's how you're going to find it is you're going to separate yourself from those things and separate yourself unto God. Now, finding God's will is not obeying a still small voice, although sometimes that may play a small part in it, but that's not the whole picture. Some people go on this still small voice and they end up and it doesn't line up with the word of God and they end up being uh, in the ditch somewhere when it comes to the will of God. The Holy Spirit of God will never never ever leads you to go against the Bible. It never will lead you to go against the Bible. The Holy Spirit helped author the Bible. 
He knows every word in this book and he'll never ever lead you astray from that book. So we said, well, how does God reveal his will? Well, we said, first of all, by the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? By every word of God. And so you're going to have to have the word of God and that's how God reveals his will to you and me. That's how God speaks to man. God uses words to speak to man. Um, He can speak to animals and things through words and he can communicate with them. But God's chosen method for speaking to you and me is by his word. And when we said by his word, we mean a King James Bible. And then we went on and gave you some proofs and some things of how they twist and change the word of God. I think I gave you some examples. Uh, Let's see here. Let me just uh, give you one or two of them here. But but some of them will remove in Colossians 1.14 through the blood. And uh, they'll say Jesus instead of Lord in Luke 23, 42, when the thief is dying on the cross. And, uh, and then some in Luke 2 and verse 33 called, called Joseph Jesus' father. And so there's counterfeit books. Do you know Satan counterfeits the things of God? I mean, you've got the Holy Trinity and you've got the unholy Trinity, right? I mean, you've got those things, he counterfeits it. God has a holy city and Satan has a holy city. We study that on Wednesday nights through the book of Revelation and that's, the, that's Mystery Babylon. And so, you know, what everything that God does, Satan mocks. And so God has his word and Satan has his words as well. Now, I'm just going to stick with the book that God has blessed for years. Now, let me move on. So first of all, God will reveal his, word, his will to you. How? Through his word. Then number two, God will reveal his will to you through inner conviction given by the Holy Spirit. By inner conviction by the Holy Spirit. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 through 13, let me read this to you. And I, I, I sort of alluded to it earlier. It says, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, the still, small voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? You see, so sometimes God uses a still small voice to speak to you and I. But keep in mind that if the voice is contrary to the word of God, then you chunk the voice because it's not God speaking to you if he's telling you to go against the word of God. You say, well, I believe that this still small voice is telling me that I need to speak in tongues, that I've got the gift of tongues. But if the Bible comes along and says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 22 and 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 22, that tongues are a sign to the unbelieving Jew, then it's not for you and me. So that spirit that's telling you to do it is not of God. So you can chunk that thing because it's not for you and me. Do you know that there's only three times in the entire Bible where tongues are spoken? It doesn't happen as often as the charismatics would like for you to think that it happens. It it took place in Acts chapter number 2. It took place in Acts chapter number 10. And in Acts chapter number 19, they spoke in tongues for a total in the Bible three times. So it doesn't happen that often. But they like for you to think that it happens every service. But tongues are not for you and me. It's for the unbelieving Jew. You rest assured if anybody speaks in tongues, there's an unbelieving Jew around that God wants to say, hey, I'm in that. You see, but that's the way that works. You see, he uses it for the unbelieving Jew. Now, the Holy Spirit's job is to guide you and me into all truths. 
That's John chapter 16 and verse number 13. The Holy Spirit of God will lead and guide us in all truth. What is truth? Well, in John 17, 17, he said, Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. So God's word is truth. So the Holy Spirit of God will lead and guide us in all truth. See that? He'll lead and guide you in the Word of God. So if that spirit that's speaking to you go against that book, then you can reject that spirit that's trying to get you to do something and you take the Word of God over the spirit. Amen? Does that make sense tonight? I think it makes perfect good sense to me anyway. But he'll never go contrary to the written Word. Now the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible and he'll never go contrary to it. Now we need a King James Bible. We need to read it. We need to line up with it. We need to allow our, the inner conviction to be used to seek out the will of God for you. So first of all, we said that if you want to find the will of God, God will reveal it to you. But one of the main ways he'll reveal it to you is through his Word. And then we said, secondly, that he will reveal it through the inner convictions given by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lining up with the Word of God will help to reveal the will of God for you. Does that make sense? Amen. All right, number three, how does God reveal his will? Well, sometimes he uses circumstances. In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28, the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So everything that's going on in your life is working together for your good and my good and God's good. You could say it's the will of God. So whatever trial or storm or situation you find yourself in, then many times that is the will of God for your life is to go through those storms. Now we can bring storms upon us, couldn't we? You know the story of Jonah, don't you? You know, Jonah calls that whole episode, he brought it all on himself. Jonah could have averted being on a ship, going down to Tarshish and been in the bottom of the ship and then he was thrown into the bottom of the water, went in the belly of a well and went down to the bottom of the ocean. He kept going down and down and down. Why? Because of his own doings, of his own making. And a lot of times what happens for you and I is we get in situations and it's of our own making. But the Bible still says that all things work together for good. You see, so all the good and all the bad is working together for our good. So sometimes God uses circumstances in order to, to show us his will. Because after all, nothing happens to a Christian by accident. Nothing happens in your life by accident. So that's why we stray away from the words like by chance or, well, lucky me and that kind of a thing. There's no, it's no luck involved at all. It's all working together for our good. It's what God wanted. Over in 2 Corinthians, I'm going to turn back here to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. That's just a couple books back anyway. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 5, the Bible says, Of such and one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Paul says, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. What I'm struggling with and what's, what I'm going on in my body, Paul says, I'm going to glory in that thing. Is he crazy? No, he's not crazy. I mean, he, he understands that all these things are working together for his good. And so that's why he says that. He says in verse 6, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be 
or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse 9, he says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's what God told Paul. And Paul says this, he concludes it, he says, Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How do you have the power of Christ to rest upon you? Well, according to that verse, it's you're going to have to glory in your infirmities. When God brings troubles your way and sorrows and trials, then when you glory in those things, the power of Christ can rest upon you. People are going to look at you and they're going to say, man, look at what they're going through, but they still got a song on their tongue. They have a song in their heart. They still have a smile on their face, even though their world's crumbling apart. That's a Christian. That's you and me. We're sustained by God, right? God is the one that upholds us through these things. He's the one we trust in. And so through circumstances, God can show us his will, even in the bad times as well as the good times. I used to think that God wants every Christian to be healthy. I used to think that that was true, but that's not true. That's that prosperity gospel. You ever heard of those prosperity preachers that get up there and they preach, well, if you'd have been right with God, you'd have a big fat diamond ring on your finger just like I do. You'd have a big jet flying around the country just like I do. And you wouldn't have to uh, be worried about paying your bills. Your kids wouldn't get sick. And your car payment would get paid. All that stuff, you know. And if you were right with God, you wouldn't have those problems. So what you need to do is get right with God. You see, what that does is that makes the preacher more spiritual than everybody else because he doesn't have all those problems because he's being blessed. But you know what that is? That's Old Testament stuff. God told Israel, he said that you can stay in the land and I'll bless your land and I'll bless the fruits of the land and I'll, uh, I'll not cause plagues or anything like that to come upon you if you'll obey what I do or what I say. So as long as Israel obeyed God, then they could stay in their land and God would bless them. That's that prosperity gospel. So what these prosperity preachers do, they reach back over in the Old Testament and grabbed it and pulled it in the New Testament and said, hey, if you were right with God like I am, then you'd be blessed with everything I've got too. But that's heresy is what that is. That's somebody that wants to show you they're more spiritual than everybody else by how they live, and that's not true. Luke, the beloved physician, went everywhere with Paul because he, of his infirmities. Boy, if that was the case, Paul would be as wrong with God as anybody, wouldn't he? Because Paul suffered a whole lot. So you know the prosperity gospel is a lie. I'm going to come over just a few books to my right to Colossians chapter number 4. Colossians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number, let's see here, verse number, well, beginning verse 13. Colossians 4 verse 13. He said, For I bear him record that he hath great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Notice there you find Luke, the beloved physician. So Luke was a physician. You know, Paul, had, he took Luke with him everywhere he went, didn't he? he Luke went wherever he went. Why? Because he was a physician. And so he went with Paul. So Paul had these infirmities and things like that. And so he went with him. Now I'm going to come over to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. That's to your right, just a few books. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And then he says in verse number, well, we'll begin in verse number 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10. He says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. 
for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Notice you find Luke there again. Everywhere Paul went, Luke was with him. Why? Because he was a physician. Paul had ailments in the body. He had infirmities in the body. And so he had a physician with him. So people say, well, you know, I don't believe in doctors and all that stuff. You know, some of those old timers and stuff like that, they had that mentality, especially mountain people. You know, they had that mentality. They wouldn't go go to no doctor because it wasn't right to go to a doctor and that kind of a thing. But Jesus, Jesus even talked about physicians. They that are sick need a physician. And so you can go to a physician. And Paul had a physician. He had a doctor with him according to the Bible. Now I'm going to look at one more place here on this subject here. 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 30. He says, If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Paul said if there's anything that you're going to glory in, brag about, anything you're going to magnify that's in your life, then magnify the infirmities. Why? Because that's where the power of Christ may rest upon you. That's how Christ's power rests upon you. So Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 was given a thorn in the flesh. Why? He said to buffet him. To buffet him. You know what buffet means? It's like buff, right? You get you a vehicle and you go out there and you take some turtle wax and you rub it on your vehicle and the body of it. You let it set up a little bit and then get you a cotton cloth and then you start rubbing that thing off there and you start buffing it. You know what happens? You're going to shine that thing up, right? That's what's going to happen when you buff it. And that's what God does in our lives when he brings infirmities, those infirmities and those thorns in the flesh. They're, they're to buffet you and I to shine us up and to make us better than what we were before we had those things. And that's what, that's what God is trying to show us here in that passage. So we need to quit listening to the TV and the TV preachers and the newspaper and all that stuff and get out a King James Bible and follow it. I'd say everybody here tonight agrees that traffic lights are a pretty important thing, isn't it? I think they're pretty important. You know, you got the red light and the green light, you know, think about those. And then you got the pink light. No, it's not pink, is it? That's only when I go through it. They're pink. But anyway, I'm telling on myself, aren't I? But uh, you, you go, those, I guess you'd say probably the red light is just as important as the green light, right? I mean, you, you know, you've got to obey those things because if you don't, you'll find yourself in a world of hurt. You'll find yourself in some trouble. So when what happens there is when you come to those red lights and you stop, it might be that God's preventing you from being in an accident or whatever it might be. You never know what, the, what might be going on. I remember one time I got stopped at a light there at, um, at, at I think it was at Walmart, because now 460 is no longer a bypass. I mean, it's a, you know, it's, you know how it is, you know, you got like 10 lights before you can get to the other side of Princeton. And, uh, but anyway, I guess they're needful and they have to be. They're there for a reason, I reckon. But anyhow, I, I got stopped at the Walmart red light. And then when I went on, I looked and there was an accident that just took place. Now, I don't know. That could have been me. I don't know. But thank God it wasn't, right? And it could be because of that red light. I don't know. I'm just saying that happened here a few months ago. And so it very well could be that God was protecting me from something. So when God closes a door, we should observe it. And the same way when God opens up a door, we should reserve it. And when God shuts, we should thank him and wait on God and pray for about an open door. That's how we ought to handle those things. You see, how does God reveal his will? Well, sometimes he reveals it through circumstances. And then number four, how does God reveal his will? Well, sometimes by the advice of others. Sometimes you're going to get the advice of others, and that's going to give you some insight. You don't solely go on the advice of others, but you do take it into consideration. Why? Because the Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. 
If you're getting ready to step out and make a big decision, it might be good to talk to some, to some other people and get their advice, get their opinion on the thing. People that you can trust for that matter, not people that's going to get up on the phone and say, oh, Helen, you never guess what I just found out about sister so-and-so. She called me up and she told me, da, 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 da. I'm not talking about that. Mm-mm. I don't, don't talk to those people. Those people ain't no good. <laughs> you don't need to tell them a thing. Uh, I'm not talking about people that's going to, you know, they said that, what is it, telephone, television, and tell a woman. <laughs> All right. That didn't go over as good as I thought. But anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> and sometimes it's tell a man. That's true. You got to get the men in there too, don't you? Sometimes God's will is revealed through opportunities. Sometimes his will is revealed through circumstances. And sometimes God reveals his will through various ways, such as the wishes of parents. Maybe mommy and daddy does know best. Maybe mommy and daddy has been there before and they've been down that road and they're trying to give you some advice to help you from making the same mistakes that they made. Now, I'm not this kind of parent. Andrew's growing up, and then as he grows up, he's going to ask me his advice. Maybe I hope he would anyway on certain things as he grows up. This is not the advice I'm going to give him. I'm not going to say, well, I was guilty of doing it when I was your age, so I really can't say nothing about you doing it. Listen, if it's wrong, it's wrong. It was wrong when I did it, and it's wrong if you do it. Stay away from it. Protect your children. Tell them the truth. Tell them it's not right. Don't give them an alibi to go and do it. That's wrong. And so sometimes parents can be some of the uh, ignorant as people that I'm trying to be kind. <laughs> no wonder, no wonder I, this generation's in a mess. Amen. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> but sometimes it'll be through opportunities, circumstances, wishes of the parents, even the advice of a friend. Sometimes you can get the advice of a friend. Nothing wrong with that at all, getting the advice of a friend. And so how does God reveal his will? Sometimes it's by the advice of others. Keep in mind that these will play a small part in it, though. You're not going to say, well, I knew a guy that did this one time and it turned out this way, so that's the way I'm going to do it. Because it may not work out the same for you, right? I mean, one person hits the lottery on one set of numbers, and so you think you go play the, next, the same numbers. The next time you think you go hit the lottery, mm-mm, don't work that way. Of course, you shouldn't play the lottery anyway, but I'm just using that as a terrible illustration. But anyway, you get my point. <laughs> but God's will for you will most, mostly be found in his word, mostly lined up with his spirit and by prayer. Now, it's not wise to pray and answer a small voice and then say, God is leading me. Somebody said, well, I hear this voice and said, so God's leading me to go this way. You better be careful about that. That voice could be the devil talking to you. Might be the devil in you, right? He's talking about that before. You never know. The devil might be leading somebody in a direction like that, and you think it's God. You hear a still, small voice. How do you know it's God or the devil anyway? How would you know? You better pray about it and make sure it's God. It'll line up with his word is what'll happen. You see, that's why God gave you his book. So it might just be the desires of your flesh that might be leading you the wrong way. Check it out before you make a big decision. Ask those around you. Get some advice from some folks. And when it comes to moving, when it comes to getting a different job, or when it comes to changing churches, you better make sure it's what God wants for you. You, you think about it. You pack up your family and you move to California like the Beverly Hillbillies did. And you know what's going to happen with your children? You're going to change what your grandchildren's going to look like. You ever thought about that? You pack your kids up and they're young when they go out there and they get married, you're going to change what they look like. 
You might not want them to look like a Californian. You might want them to look like a West Virginian. You might not want them to look like a West Virginian. I don't know. But anyway, but you better make sure that God is in that thing before you make major decisions in your life or you could end up in a train wreck. Now, can I close out with this? Can I close out with giving you six wills of God? Now, these things here, and they'll go very quickly. These six things are fixed. Every safe person in this building here tonight, this fits you and me. There's no way around it. You can't argue. You can try to wiggle out of it if you want to, but it's straightforward, and I'll show you. It's six wills of God. Number one, it's found in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5. There's no certain order. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5, Paul said, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So first of all, you're going to give yourself first to God. And then you're going to give yourself to other things like the church and then following uh, the pastor or whatever it might be. But you make sure you give yourself to God first. Make sure you give yourself to the Lord first. Why? Because that's the will of God. It's the will of God for everybody to give yourselves first to the Lord. Not to a job, not to family, not to this, not to that. To the Lord first. Number two, the second will of God is found in Colossians 4 and verse number 12. And Colossians 4.12 says, Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You are to pray for others. Why? That they may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. So we pray for others that they may be in the will of God. Then number three, the third will of God, is found in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 3. Paul said, for this is the will of God. Don't get any plainer than that, does it? Can't argue it. You can't refute this. This is something that's irrefutable. He said, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. So the word fornication means a sexual relationship outside of marriage, but it also means sin. So you're to stay away from sin. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So it's the will of God for you to take your body and keep it from sin. It's the will of God for everybody is to sanctify yourself. Then number four, he's found in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He says, in everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So it's the will of God for all of us to give thanks. Now that's a tough one for me. That's a, a big tough one for me because when I'm having a bad day, I don't want to give God thanks. Do you? I mean, when I'm having a hard time or I'm struggling or I've had a knockdown drag out with my wife, I don't, you know, I don't feel like giving God thanks. You know, and I turn out always right because I'm never wrong, right? So, yeah, anyway, okay. All right, women to be silent in the church is okay. So, all right, so we'll just pull scripture. <laughs> I'm pulling that out of the context, by the way, to fit my argument. See how I did that? <laughs> All right. In everything, give thanks. We're to give thanks even in our sufferings, in our bad times as well as our good times, in the valleys as well as the mountaintops. And then numbers, what is this, number five? It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15. Peter said, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So you know what you're to be found doing? What, that's the will of God? You're to be found doing good. You're to do good. We're always to do good. You say, I don't like them. Do good to them anyway. I don't care for them. Do good to them anyway. Heap coals of fire on their head. That's what the Bible talks about. And so do good. Always do right. It's always right to do right. It's never right to do wrong. All right, then last of all, number six, it's found in 1 Peter 4, 19. 
He says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. According to that verse right there, it's the will of God sometimes to suffer. Sometimes we're going to suffer. Sometimes you're going to suffer more than others suffer. And that's called the will of God. I don't know why that is, but that's just the way it works. That's why the prosperity gospel is heresy. Because sometimes it is the will of God to suffer. That's what 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 19 says. So we are to suffer for the Lord in our walk with Jesus Christ. You're going to suffer. You see, your life is really Christ in you, right? And Christ is said to be a man of sorrows. When he was on the earth, all he did was suffer. And so you and I as Christians, if we're going to be partakers of his life, then his will will be that we're going to suffer. Doesn't the Bible say that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer? It sure does. There was a Baptist pastor in England that was born in 1847, and he died in 1929. You may have heard of him before. His name is F.B. Meyer. He once wrote these words, quote, When the word of God, the impulse of the Holy Spirit in my heart, and the outward circumstances are in harmony, then I'm convinced that I am acting in accordance with the will of God. I'd say that's pretty good, wouldn't you? Have you been wanting to seek out the will of God for your life? You've been wanting to search for the will of God for your life? Maybe you don't have a desire, and tonight you want to come to the altar and you want to ask God for a desire to find out what His will is for you. I don't care if you're a young person that's 8 years old or 6 years old or whether you're 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. You can search for the will of God in your life. Tonight, if you're saved and you don't know the will of God, it's not shameful. What's shameful is that you're not seeking the will of God. That's the shameful part. So I'll close with my title, Searching for the Will of God. Let's all bow our heads, if you will.